0: Getting out of speaking twice. <laughs> Holy Spirit said no both times. And one time was John. <laughs> <laughs> I want to just pray before I even talk. I know we prayed a couple of times. You've been worshiping for days, but I want to pray real quick. Is that okay? As far as it is. I feel like a comedian with a mic, with this mic with the cable. you the comedians still have that? Yes. <laughs> No jokes today. Praise God. (laughs) Father, I thank you first and foremost for the opportunity to be able just to come before uh, your people and share uh, what's on my heart for 10 days of prayer and what you've already done uh, in the local church through 10 days of prayer. We ask you, God, that you would encourage and strengthen us this evening or this after this morning. I'm already tired. Praise God. And uh, that you would just ignite us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I feel like God really wants me to impart something into you guys, if that's okay, and um, I got this friend, his name is Jamie Medina, and Jamie joined my church about three years ago, Jamie actually, uh, side note, Wednesday graduated the Fireman Academy in Bridgeport, Connecticut, which is a big deal, because he's 47 years old, (laughs) He's really old, to be a fireman, changing his career, God guiding him and God leading him, and three years ago, Jamie calls me, and I didn't know jamie at the time he had been visiting my church which is cool uh my church is in bridgeport and my name is lewis i'm the senior pastor of a church i took over the church at the Untimely Pastor of my father when i was 22 years old and what was a humble church has began to grow to be one of the most influential in the city and, and god has been blessing us and he's graced us and And Jamie caught us in transition. We were kind of at this place where we're still figuring out systems in churches, because you know pastors love their systems. And how do we do visitor retention? And how do we worry about this? And what are we going to do about that? And all this stuff. And I'm just, we're in this this weird place of trying to find a way to retain visitors and and contact people. The system was obviously broken because one day Jamie calls my office and he says, Yeah, I want to talk to the pastor. I'm like, Yeah, it's me. He was like, Hey, you didn't call me. I'm like, I don't even know you. Who is this? (laughs) He was like, I visited your church and every other church I visited is in the area. He named all the big churches. They called me, and you didn't call me. And I actually liked your church, and you didn't call me. And I'm like, well, yeah, I got to talk to the connect team because somebody doesn't get fired even though they're a volunteer. So, yeah. And I was just like, yeah, this is really strange. And he begins to talk to me, and he says, yeah, I like your church, but I think it's too young for me because I'm gonna be 40 soon, and I feel like I'm a generation too late for your church. And I'm like, yeah, well, don't come. <laughs> He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, if you you think you're too old, then don't come. Do you want to be selfish with your life? (laughs) What do you mean? I'm like, well, if you think that you have nothing to offer us because you're too old, maybe you should be a father rather than running around trying to be a brother. If you look at a church based on what you need and not what it needs, maybe you're the problem. So don't come.
1: Uh, <laughs> Next Sunday he was in church
0: and <laughs> He gave me some things to think about Pastor, me and him struck off a great relationship And he brought his aunt from Florida Her name is Margie uh, She ended up being a great friend It's a long story, I won't go into all of it But I met Margie And she was a great spiritual person in his life And she gave her seal of approval So he joined our church And a few months later uh, She was visiting for a couple of months She had property both from Florida and Bridgeport And her her sister died And I was able to do the funeral, she felt like she was just indebted to me, and and all this stuff. And so a few months later, she calls me and she says, "Hey, uh, I want you to come and do Jamie's uh, ceremony. Jamie was renewing his vows in Florida, in, in Orlando. And I'm like, free ticket to Orlando? Did you <laughs> got a pool? Should I got a big pool? I'm <laughs> coming. I didn't think about my wife. I should have brought my wife along with me. I did it. I'm a terrible husband. And I flew out there, and and she couldn't come anyway because the kids were were really really small at the time, and that was my excuse at least. And I was I was there and showed up after he, he they had gone on a cruise and it's the day before his ceremony and and I show up and and Jamie they have him blindfolded on the couch and I walk in there and they take off his blind and he starts crying and he says, What are you doing here? And I thought that was the most idiotic, stupid question you could possibly <laughs> ask me on the face of the earth because obviously I'm here to do your ceremony it, it seems obvious as to why someone would be there. He's crying. I mean, I, I know why I'm here. Why are you here? <laughs> he, maybe you he didn't want to do the ceremony. Over like, Why are you here? Like, He's like, Pastor, why are you here? And as I was here these past couple of days, I looked around and I felt the Holy Spirit say, I said, all that to say this, why are you here? Because sometimes you can have an idea of why you've come to a place, but yet maybe God has a different plan, a different purpose. I think that my life was... Hugely redirected less than a year ago when I met Jonathan Frizz. As the joke goes, when I still hold two, they invited me to this meeting by accident. They sent me an email from a Connecticut impact list, and I never signed up for the email. I don't know how they got my email. <laughs> so uh, uh, I get this email about a summit or a meeting about 10 days of prayer, and they're going to be doing 10 days of prayer all over the country. I'm just like, this is great! I like this! And I go, and it wasn't what I expected because I was the only Hispanic in the building and it was just kind of awkward and kind of weird. And I'm like, man, should I be here or not? And uh, yeah. I was just throwing my beard out. And his was bigger. He was my beard inspiration. And it was amazing. And I was like, man, I like, I like where he's going. I like what he's doing. And he began to speak. He began to speak. It was on a Wednesday. I'll never forget it. He began to speak about 10 days of prayer. And I'm like, man, this white kid is on to something. <laughs> I'm with my other guy My other friend My associate pastor His name is John And his name is Jonathan Cologne, And he's dark skinned. And so he felt it worse Than I did in that building And he was just like Man, Bobby, he's out do something I'm like, I know you like it And the Holy Spirit Began to speak to me I believe that something Transacted as he spoke
1: uh-huh.
0: Because there's this verse In Second Chronicles 16 9. It's an interesting verse I love it in the RSV Maybe you should write that down So you can go back And read it later I heard people would take notes Go to heaven Pastor I don't want to say theory so I just take notes When I'm hearing somebody talk That's just me I'm not telling you what to do I'm just saying In <laughs> the 2nd Chronicles Chapter 16 verse 9 Hanani the prophet He's going after the king Asa Because Asa Has done something distasteful hastily in the eyes of the Lord And the first time Asa faced a big army He faced an army of, of Ethiopians and Libyans And he trusted God But then when he faced the Syrians He didn't trust God and, and Hanani was basically Coming to Asa levying an indictment against him Saying you have not trusted God And because of it You're going to face more wars but inside of that scripture, there's this verse that is powerful, and it says this in the RSV, The eyes of the Lord are roaming to and fro in the earth, looking for someone to show himself strong in, whose heart is completely his. And I felt like I was having one of those. I look back now with hindsight, and I see that the eyes of the Lord were roaming through that room in Wellspring Church. I believe it with all my heart. And the Lord is even today here in this moment looking for someone to show Himself strong in if you would make yourself available, young and old. What does somebody next say? The Lord's looking at you. So, just encourage, scare on girl. God's looking at you. You <laughs> see, when I was a kid, and, and, and I would be acting up in church, and my brother would say, Dad's looking at us, and I would just. <laughs> would you know? When you know Papa's looking at you, something changes in you. <laughs> That's true. So the Holy Spirit told me, I was sitting at Wall Street Church. He said, Louis, I want you to have some of your leaders take time off of work to be able to do 10 days of prayer, my God. Like, that is not your stupid idea.
1: <laughs>
0: so I go back to my Wednesday night worship night that evening. At the end of the worship night, I'm like, let me test the waters. So I had two of, the, um, two of my other pastors. We have seven pastors in our church that helped me facilitate ministry because I'm not going to kill myself. I'm doing it myself. And, and two of them were there, two of the senior elders of the church. And I said, hey, uh, I pitched a vision to them. You have to turn into prayer. Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, what do you guys think about it? And, and my, the, one of the founding pastors of the church, she says, uh, um, we're going to have to take vacation time. To be able to, I'm like, God said that too? No, this is God. And I was like, this is terrible. because Now I have to do it. <laughs> like, I'm the kind of person, when I'm all in, I am all in. Wow. And so I called up John. I'm like, I don't want to tell these a prayer in Bridgeport. what do I got to do? If I had to have, you know, a sign-up sheet, maybe go through a training and something. He goes, yeah, man, just, yeah, do it. <laughs> <laughs> Me out of it, not talk me into it. And so I, I began to speak to my, my church and my board about it. I began to speak to my pastors and my elders. I began to talk to the worship team, and, and then I took it to a small group of pastors, maybe about seven pastors. And, and here's the truth of the matter I knew that I could do it myself. I knew that my church had the size, we had the teams, we had the worshipers, we had the resources. We didn't need anybody's help, but we knew that this was a... See, the name of my church, I renamed it five years ago, is Citywide Church, because God gave me a vision for the whole city. But I knew this wasn't a citywide thing, it was a citywide thing. And maybe here today, you're here... You might not know what this is about yet. Ten days of prayer summit is about igniting a vision in you to go back to where you're from and partake in some way, form, or fashion of a ten days of prayer. Not one day during the ten days, but for you to stop what you're doing for Ten days. Mm. Come on, bro. Like, I don't know if you came here just to hear about, like, maybe I can just jump in for one or two days here, whatever I can afford. You don't realize that our spiritual economy around here, we can't afford to not do this. Yeah, come on, come on man. Some of the churches you're in, they can't afford not to have somebody, even if nobody joins you, get into your basement for 10 days. No. Don't come out. Just take a shower every now and then. Just don't come out. And I was, I was like, man, I gotta do this now. And I began to take it to other pastors, and 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 I, I gotta tell you the truth, I didn't think it would be good because most of the pastors in my city hate me.
1: <laughs>
0: I'm telling you the truth. They didn't like me, and one of the reasons they didn't like me was because number one, I was able to do what they couldn't do in 20 years, they didn't in five. I was harvesting stuff that other people sowed. but also because we were contemporary, we were modern they were very legalistic and Bridgeport's a very religious city and there wasn't much like free flowing spirit movement it was just like if you grow your church beyond 20 people you're definitely a cult you get past 100 you're Satan himself past 400 two satans are in you (laughs) (laughs) the more we grew the more we grew people didn't like it We ended up in a fifteen hundred seat theater that was promised to every single church in Bridgeport apparently, and here I am there for the last three years raising up worshipers and doing a an mighty work in God. Mm. And and the funny thing was prior to this we had a Luis Palau festival that came to Bridgeport. And in that season, pastors began to come and repent. And said, Man Lewis, I misjudged you.
1: Wow.
0: Mm. And I, was I perfect through it all? No. I was hurt. I was naive coming into this, coming into this thing thinking that pastors were nice people. They're not. <laughs> they're mean. They're insecure. They need hugs and help. <laughs> so I was, I was just like, man, God, like I, I came into this naive, and pastors would send emails around about me, and they would send emails to their bishops like, this guy he painted his back wall black, and it's a, it's because of demonic. No, it's because the cameras doesn't see black, and it makes the place look bigger, and they had a small place with a big vision, dummy. <laughs> people don't get it. And there was There's probably some things That I, I probably made Any mistakes along the way That could upset And offend people But little by little God began to do Some stuff And so I took it To this small group Of pastors Who I was friends With all of them And and, and I told them about it And they were just like We were going to pray about it I'm just like Guys The devil's not going To tempt us for 10 days To stop our whole lives And come pray Like what, what's going To pray for I can discern it Why Why are you so deep For no reason You don't need discernment to see whether God wants you to pray for 10 days. You just need to submit. And say, man. And so, they're like, all right, Lewis, it is a good idea. Like, I told you it was. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit told me to do this. And so, they they were kind of with it, kind of not with it. And so I said, well, I'm going to do it anyways, right? And so I decided to do something that every city I think should do. I wanted to centralize a location in a neutral place to be able to get as many people Who are threatened by the ministry is to want to come because it's not in somebody else's church. Mm -hmm. And so these crazy people, because it's October, it was cold, started floating the idea of doing it in a tent. I'm like, tent? October, it's cold, y'all crazy. And they brought up this, they had this, like a 100 year old tent that was falling apart while we were in it. I brought the idea of doing it in this tent. So I'm like, whatever, I'll, I'll think about it. We drove up here and we were talking about it. But we had the, the meeting up here. We were talking about it. I was like, I don't even know if I want to do this or not. And, and the eyes of the Lord are looking for someone to show how strong through was. The eyes of the Lord are looking for someone to show how strong through Lewis. You know, God, if his tent is going to be neutral, then I'll work with that. I don't care. The reason I don't want the tent, I don't want to depend on nobody else's resources. But I have to submit some of this vision down to be able to get it. You in that. And so I did something amazing. I invited pastors to come eat because pastors love to preach, sleep, and eat.
1: <laughs>
0: and so I did a pastoral dinner at my church on a Monday night because most pastors are off on Monday or doing nothing on Mondays and so they don't have much of an excuse not to come except that they don't want you to eat. Yeah. Uh, So I invited 60 pastors or 75 pastors and 60 came to the first meeting, which was amazing.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, amen. And I'm like, man, this is crazy. Yeah. And I'm sitting at a table with a bishop, a pastor, and a couple of the pastors, and one of the bishops says, You know, Burgos. And I'm like, What's up, man? And he's like, He looks around, he takes his fork, he goes, But all these people, they wouldn't come for me. Um, wow. And then the guy next to him, his name is Fred G. Fred's like, Yep, they wouldn't come for me either, Burgos. But God's raising you up. I'm like, What are you talking about? He's like, God, God has given you this, like, you know, the ability to be able to reach people, even pastors, like, who are you talking about, guys? Like, most of you guys hate me. You just started liking me. <laughs> and it was at that moment that I realized that God was gracing me for something bigger, and that when I was walking into what He was giving me, He would give me more grace for it. Yeah. That makes sense? Yeah. Because sometimes you can get caught up in what you see yourself as, but not what God sees you as. Yeah. This is really good verse. It's in Matthew chapter, chapter 9, verse 9. Listen to this. As Jesus went out from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told them. And Matthew got up and followed him. I love that because it says this. He saw a man named Matthew sitting at a tax collector's booth. It does not say he saw Matthew, the tax collector, sitting at the booth. It says he just saw Matthew. Because God sees you where he calls you And he sees you as what he calls you as He doesn't see you In the midst of your failures He doesn't see you in the midst of your inabilities He sees you right in the midst Of where he purposed you yeah. So it's why the angel of the Lord Walks into Gideon and says oh you mighty warrior right. yeah. And Gideon's like I'm hiding I'm in defeat yeah. uh, How am I really a mighty warrior dude, If like all of my people Because he failed to, to realize that they were, they were Going through hardship because of sin does this make sense? God calls you as he sees you. And so he says to Matthew, Matthew, I don't see you as a tax collector. You're my son. I see you as a disciple. So Matthew, who's sitting at a booth. And he was called in Lewis, who I want to see myself as inadequate, unqualified, unable. But God saw me as the perfect candidate. Because if I'm unqualified, if I'm unable, if I'm inadequate, then when it does happen, I can get no glory because of it. Amen. And so God loves dealing with people who don't want to deal with themselves because they know themselves. Because God has a purpose for that individual. So I'm sitting there, I'm like, man, all these pastors, we invited Jonathan because one of the things that I thought was that when I went to Wellspring, they gave John like five minutes talk. And I was like, man... If only we could understand the fullness of the 10 day vision. And understand how expansive it is, not just. Because Jonathan had paperwork with him. It's kind of like the five minutes you had was to read the paper because I can't have enough time. And it was just like, man, as I read the paper, it spoke to my heart and something transacted. I'm telling you, with the spirit. And I bore witness to this vision and I cast this vision to these pastors and I put John in front of them. I said, I called John, I like, said, You want to come to these pastors? i got a meeting. He's like, Yeah, sure. Ha ha ha. ha. <laughs> I'm just like, I love your laugh, man. And he's <laughs> like, Yeah. And he comes and he comes down and, and he speaks to these pastors and they're like, Let's do
1: it. Yeah, wow.
0: <laughs> so I called back Jonathan on Tuesday. Yeah, I called you. I'm Mike Greenwood. He was in Cleveland, like, frizz He's like, yeah, man, what's going on? I'm like, I want to do it again. He's like, oh, what do you mean? Another meeting with more pastors. He's like, when? Like Monday. <laughs> <laughs> He's putting up the clarion call. Yeah. He's like, uh, yeah. I'll be coming back from Cleveland. It's fine. I'm coming. Yeah. <laughs> and so we started the lead work again. <coughs> this is a lot of work putting all this food for you know 70, 60, 80 people for all the servers and volunteers and we started all over again Had the move meetings and everything else because we understood that we had to make space for this and that makes sense. he'll give you grace for what you make space for mm-hmm. when you some, some of the reasons God was not moving in many churches he had no space to move we got 30 minutes for worship 40 minutes for sermon 5 minutes for announcements 2 minutes for altar call and then we have to go up to another service coming <laughs> and God can't move yeah yeah so, so I'm like, friends come back. he's like, yeah, sure, we did it again. And 75 pastors come for the second one. And I'm like, Tom, we're on to something here. When 110 plus pastors come in, and then 60 plus end up buying into this vision, some of them just came for the food, which is fine. It's great food. Some of them just came to eat, apparently, and they couldn't get it, they didn't understand it. But we went forward had some difficulties here and there, but we went forward, man, and so we aligned all of our vis- our, our teams, our, our sound teams, and our usher teams, and we started coordinating and plotting and planning, and just believing God that 10 days would be something that would transact in the spirit for the entire city, because Bridgeport has a history of being really divided. Bridgeport is 16.2 square miles, 150,000 people packing those 15 square miles or 16 square miles. And it has a history of poverty, of violence, of murder. It is noted to be the armpit of Connecticut. It's like the worst place of the worst places. It's poor. It has high, the highest taxes in the nation, second only to Detroit. And there was every reason to be down on Bridgeport, but God was trying to bring unity. God was trying to bring a move of His Spirit. And as pastors got together and to put aside differences, the first night came, and we had 242, I believe, people come. In you know, an open-ear service, under a tent. And what we did, our model was we did 22 hours of prayer with two hours of sermons and worship. Worship and sermon. Because to me it was, it was like, why am I praying for the entire day and, and then not trying to make a call for salvation? Because there's some people in the churches who still got to get saved. And there's some people who, who are walking by who would be in the streets who need to get saved. So second night, we, we get there and and we were praying all night, and I we're praying all day. We had got people around the clock praying. We had organized it to a point where there was pastors from every single church, and just different people who ended up they didn't plan on staying, but they would staying till two or three in the morning praying. And as the second night came, and the second preacher was getting up, and man, and there was somebody an usher came and tapped me like, "Pastor, what?" And he's like, "There's 375 people. We're gonna need more chairs." Go. <laughs> what I'm talking about. <laughs> people would say, well, why is it all about the numbers? Because numbers tell a story. But some people say, well, I hate looking at numbers. It's so superficial, but numbers tell a story.
1: Especially it
0: prayer. <laughs> yeah. It tells a story. To get 375 people to come together to pray, come on, we're doing something good. Yeah. Yeah. We had noonday prayers. prayer, 60 to 70 people would show up. We had 7 a.m. prayer, and 20, 30 people would show up just to pray. Hmm in addition to the regular people schedule just to pray.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And we began to see God really move and reconciliation is happening between ministries and churches. And even, the funny thing is, even while reconciliation is happening, reconciliation, rather, is happening, people are still mad at us for what we're doing. Because can't, it can't be, it can't, obviously, apparently, cannot be God. So three comes. <clears throat> I kid you not. And they happening. their so the pastor we stopped counting at 450 people. I'm like, man, this is amazing. God, this is, every night just gets better. It just gets better. By the fourth night, they said, Pastor, we stopped counting at 550. And there's some people were getting saved. And I'm like, you know what? Bring out the baptism pools. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! We're a mobile church, man. <laughs> we had to get some baptism pools for Easter. We've we, we done 115 people on Easter alone. I was you know what? Let's just do it the old-fashioned way. The Ethiopian eunuch said, what is stopping me from being, here is water. Well, why can't I get, you can can get baptized right now. We had a witch come to Jesus, we baptized her. We started seeing folks get saved because there was a response now to the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because now when when sinners come by and see churches together, they're used to seeing churches that hate each other. But when they see a unified front of black, white, Hispanic, and everything else under the sun, now it's becoming more powerful. Like, this is the kingdom of God, amen? They didn't come to see a black church or a white church. They came and saw the kingdom of God at hand. They saw people who were under the influence of the Holy Spirit saying, yeah, we just want to bring a revival in Bridgeport. Come on. We just want to see God move in Bridgeport. We just want to see the power of the living God fall afresh on a people who are dry and thirsty because we're desperate to see God move, amen? I don't know about you, but I'm desperate for an outpouring of His Spirit. I want to see Acts chapter 2 back in the church. We should have never left it, but I want to see it back. I want to get to that place where signs and wonders are a regular occurrence in the church and not a highlight reel for someone to put on
1: YouTube.
0: Come on. I want to see God move. I'm sick and tired of just pretty sermons and nice songs. Come on. I want to see the fire of God roasting people. That's right. Come on. I want to see it because I know it's possible. (laughs) Every time I read my Bible, something ignites in me. I can't get past Acts chapter two. Sometimes I'm like, God, why, why are we not seeing that now? And, and we began to pray. By night five and six, we started seeing larger and larger crowds, and and we saw unity like we hadn't seen it in our city for decades. Yeah. Five months prior to the, not a word uh, to the of uh, prayer. A lady had come up to me and she said to me, um, she Facebooked me and my wife in a message and said, hey, I have a prophetic word for you and your, your wife. And I'm like, yeah, you and everybody and your mother have a prophetic word for the pastor whose church is up and coming in this city. I will pass on your prophetic word. You can keep it to yourself. I'm kind of blunt, if you haven't
1: noticed.
0: And she was like, um, okay. And this pastor, his name is Jawan, he comes to me and he's a friend of mine. He says, "Hey, are you talking to Camille?" And I'm like, "No, I haven't talked to Camille." She told me about her prophetic word, and I'm like, "I avoided it. I just, you know, like the plague." And he was like, "I think you should listen to her." I'm like, "Why?" He was like, "I think she's hearing from God How about some stuff, man." I'm like, "I don't know. It just sounds like something be the general prophecy." And he was like, "No, it's going to be God." I'm like, "All right, cool." And so I, I, I meet with Camille, and she begins to say some things to me and I had totally forgot about what Camille had said during this prophetic utterance she gave me and my wife. By the time 10 days of prayer came around, I erased the prophetic word because I don't try to live my whole life by prophecy. I just go by the Spirit of the Lord and when I see it happen, it confirms the prophetic word. It's cool, it's great, it's fine to me, but I'm not going to just dive into one thing to look for it. That's not who I am. That's not how I'm built. But she had told me two things that now stick to mind. The first thing was that... God was going to use me to really unify the city of Bridgeport in a way that I had never seen before and the city hadn't seen in a long time. And the second thing she said was she had a dream. And in the dream, I was walking with, with dozens of pastors arm-in-arm into her church. The name of her church that she goes to, her pastor's name is Dexter Upshaw. He's a good friend of mine. And the ministry is uh, New Vision International Ministries. It's a primarily African-American church, but it's a great, uh, just youthful church, great ministry. And she said, you know, I saw you walking arm-in-arm with pastors and and then I saw busloads of your people and trucks just coming into my parking lot and I saw Pastor Dex he came out and just shook your hand and welcomed you in I'm like okay great now on day 8 of the prayer 10 days of prayer the wind became so strong where we were at we had to leave the tent and right up the street was New Vision International Ministries and it was just to me I said I gotta call that church we'll see if we can get in there He says, Yeah, no problem. You can have the rest of the thing here. We'll get get people to staff it and everything else. It was great for reasons. one it gave my people a break from going for the last eight days, 24 hours. And then Camille calls me. She's like, Burgos. I'm like, What? She's like, The prophecy. And then it clicked. I'm like, Oh my goodness. Because here I am entering this ministry with dozens of pastors arm in arm. And my trucks of equipment are, are pulling in. And we're unloading and we're setting up. And it was like God was right there. Planning everything. Mm. He foresaw it. He foreknew it. Mm. Then day 9 came and day 10 came and it was so powerful and popular that we even added a day 11. Wow. You turned it up to 11. (laughs) Because God was moving it and who am I to hinder what God is doing. We were still down to the last day still baptizing people. Still seeing people saved. Still seeing people radically transformed and seeing the lost come to Christ to disenfranchise be ignited again for the kingdom of God. I mean, that's what it's about. Is it not?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And 10 days of prayer is more than just this idea of, hey man, this is really cool what you are doing. I'm going to pray for you, friends, that you can have a great time in your area and I'm going to pray for the few people who are around here who are going to do this and step out of some type of faith. You guys, like Dave, what you're doing in Texas is so strong for you, men. but God is calling the body of Christ to raise up in prayer and intercession. And this 10 days of prayer kind of ignited something in me, searching for something deeper in God. Because I'll tell you the truth, I was so mad at the at the end of 10 days of prayer. And, and Jonathan knows it because I called him. like, I am so mad. I just hate this. He's like, what are you talking about, man? <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, John, like, man, we did to see the revival break out again. And I was just like, I'm so frustrated because I want to see God move because sometimes when you get before God, you still want to see more, amen? Yeah. Yeah. You go with an expectation. Sometimes when your expectation isn't met, you get disenfranchised. Like, God, maybe, maybe you didn't call me to do this. I, we just saw over 5,000 people, unique people, come through these doors for 10 days of prayer. And now here I am saying, God, was it you? Like, I was angry. I was And So then... In January to start the year, I did twenty one days of prayer and worship with our church. Began to seek God more and more and ask God for that outpouring of His Spirit. <clears throat> and me and my assistant pastor have been spearheading that, just seeking God and pressing in and challenging our own selves. Getting in stuff getting in contact with people who have seen it before, so they can maybe impart something into me. And I've been seeking out those people and also seeking the Lord too. I think that's something just broke in my church recently. The funny thing was I wasn't there for a month when bro, broke. <laughs> I have been preaching in my pulpit for this would be a fourth week this week. I've been on vacation with my wife and kids. Just taking some time. Amen. I'm not in sin. It's called rest. Praise the Lord. Yeah. And my assistant pastor he calls me the day before I got here. He texted me in the morning he's like Pastor. And we had just started a healing uh, class in our church on how to, how to operate in the gift of healing. And he's like Pastor. I'm like, what's up? And he's like, um, somebody got healed on Sunday. I'm like, that's not something you text me. You should probably call me. Like, <laughs> 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 something better than a text message. And he's like, Leslie, who is um, his wife's cousin, Leslie, was pregnant, had an inflamed kidney uh, and with water in her, in her kidney, apparently, um, all types of fluid around the kidney. She had two kidney stones. One was very small, one was very massive, very massive. They were going to have to actually... Um, Operate to get it out And she came to church on Sunday After getting out of the hospital uh, the, She's pregnant as a matter of fact And the baby was not turning around Until the doctor told the baby will be born bridge legs first mm-hmm. And she said that she was in worship And she felt the power of God fall over her She goes home and the, the night before she had peed out the small stone And it was the most excruciating pain She'd ever felt in her life And I have a picture of it If you want to see it afterwards in my phone <laughs> When I say it was a small stone It was small And the next day, well, she comes to church, the Holy Spirit hits her, she goes home, she feels a little bit of pressure in her bladder, goes to the bathroom, and she painlessly pees out a a rock that was probably five to seven times larger than the first one. Pain free. Wow. Goes to the doctor the next day, not only is there no inflammation in the kidney or evidence thereof, but the baby is turned around overnight. (laughs) Come on, come on i like, oh my God, did you start something now? Did you do it? Because you've got to make space for God to do it. It's as simple as this. Is there anybody who's sick who needs prayer? Because when you give God the space, he'll give you the grace. you let him operate and move, he will flow. So I'm getting ready to come to 10 days of prayer, and I text John. I'm like, John, I do not want to talk. I just don't like I should be doing this could you find somebody else? Could you, I, I asked him, can you sub me out? Like, is there a substitute there? There's got to be some intercessor who wants to say something about the bubbles of heaven. Something. <laughs> <laughs> it's gotta be, I'm like, There's got to be somebody. And he was like, his response was, yeah, man. Um, sub out, question mark. We can do that, but we should talk first. And then as I texted him, the Holy Spirit was just like, don't do that. And I'm like, Todd? <laughs> that night I go to bed. I didn't tell you this yet. I go to bed at 4.05 in the morning My front door rings, my doorbell And I'm just like, man, nothing good happens at 4.05 in the morning I'm gonna talk to you guys back here, before like I I let you guys out <laughs> Nothing happens at good 4.05 in the morning, like nothing Somebody dies, so I check my phone first to find out who's dead <laughs> No messages, I'm like, you can't be that serious So I go to my front door and I open it up and there's nobody there. I'm like, Tommy, there's not some little white kid in my neighborhood playing ding-dong ditch at four in the morning. I will kill
1: somebody. <laughs> I live in a white
0: neighborhood, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not racist this way. So I go and I'm like, hey, this is weird. I go go to the side of my house, I check, I'm like, because you know, I'm the thug, I'll punch somebody in the face if I see it. You in my yard at four in the morning, nothing good is happening at four in the morning, I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> I go back upstairs. I'm like, that's so now I'm mad. You know you get up, you're up. Yeah.
1: Uh-huh. Now lay down.
0: And the Holy Spirit says, nobody rang your front doorbell. And I'm telling you, I heard my, dang it, I heard it. The Holy Spirit said, I rang the doorbell of your heart. Ooh. I'm like, man, this is what do you want me to do, God? He's like, pray. But I was sleeping <laughs> I just want you to pray And there was something specific that I won't get into That I was praying for That I had been dealing with God about And he just told me to pray for that And the same time that I was praying for that There was a brother in my church who had, He goes to work at 3.30 in the morning And he told me at the exact same time When I called him the I said to let him know The exact same time that I was praying for that same thing He was in his work truck Praying for the same exact thing and the day before that, my associate pastor said that he was sleeping and somebody knocks on his front door. And he goes to check his front door and guess what? Lo and behold, there is not a soul there. And the Holy Spirit says to him, I have knocked on the door of your heart. Wow, wow. And I believe that as a direct result of this stewardship of what we've done with 10 days of prayer and even how we're moving forward planning the next one, I believe in all of my heart that God is transacting something in our church. Mm. That there is a breaking through, a breaking out of the Holy Spirit of God. And I came to ask you back to the same question I asked you in the beginning. Why are you here? Why? Why did you come? Uh, the Holy Spirit? Uh, what the uh, Devil? Oh, this the Star Wars theme song is playing We
1: forgive
0: you, <laughs> <laughs> you do, brother. It's <laughs> okay. These <laughs> future, <laughs> even electronic devices, ladies. I'm just kidding. I ask you that same question: Why are you here? Back to the Second Chronicle, sixteen nine. For the eyes of the Lord are roaming to and fro in the earth, seeking something he can show himself strong through. He really, like God looks at you and He says, I want to show myself to be strong through your life because your heart is committed to me. Yeah. And so I didn't come to, 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 today to or this week to, to to just pray and have fun and to, to go back to my house and say, man, honey, it was great. We had a good time. We were playing. I met this guy from Tallahassee. He was all passionate about Tallahassee. And now I want to pray for Tallahassee. <laughs> I'm not going to tell her, hey, I met Ryan, Ryan Gosling's doppelganger. Uh, no, I'm just... I'm not going to go home and tell her, hey, I saw friends and I, I even met his family all his kids are beautiful. I want to go home and tell her, man, I'm more passionate than ever to win the city of Bridgeport in 10 days of prayer because I know that God wants to do something in New England because I know a revival is coming and he's calling me to dig the trenches that are going to be the battleground. Come on. You see, the Bible says in Matthew 11, 12 that ever since the days of John the, God, of John the Baptist, the kingdom of God has suffered violence, but the violence taken by force. You can't just come and say a pretty prayer and think that God is going to answer every single thing you want before Him. You've got to press on the presence of heaven. Come on. You've got to push come on. into this thing. If you want Tallahassee, go with it. Come on. If you want St. Antonio, then keep on praying until the Holy Spirit out If you want to do the and ball, Hear what they said yesterday? Go to the tent in Boston. Keep on doing it. The violence it by force. You've got to be forceful with the kingdom of God in your life. You've got to be forceful in your prayer life. You've got to be forceful in your worship. Forceful in your servitude. You can't just take it laying down. Well, if it's God's will, He's going to do it. No, you get up and do it. Because He gives grace to those who act out on what His Spirit is saying. Oh, you sound angry, Pastor. No, I'm just passionate. Because we've gotten to this comfort complacent Christianity. But an ounce of discomfort. Do you know why the Holy Spirit hasn't hit the church? Because Jesus said, He said what? He said, I will send you a comforter. But what does the comfortable church need a comforter for? What, is, what does a comfortable church need a comforter for? What are you gonna comfort? Oh, your team didn't win last week. I'm so sorry. are you gonna comfort? But when you're stepping out in faith and you're stretching yourself and you're living beyond your own means not financially, spiritually and you're willing to bankrupt yourself on behalf of God in your spirit and say, God, I'm going all in and even if I fail, I fail trying.
1: Because
0: Some of us fail sitting on our couches. Some of us fail sitting at home living that good, comfortable life. We're a blessed life. Some of us are like Israel We get trapped in the blessing real fast Because in the beginning Egypt was a blessing By the end it became bondage I think many Christians don't realize The transitional point between blessing and bondage You might be bound by the good things you have The good things They might not be God things What is God saying to you? Why did you come? I don't of you were just walking in Don't mind us <laughs> But why did you come? Because if you're going to come, right, and you're not going to be a part of a 10 days of prayer, you shouldn't have come. That's bold. If you don't plan on being somewhere where there's a 10 days of prayer happening, you've probably wasted a few days of your life. There's nobody else where I'm at doing it. You are what God needs. You are God's remedy for your community. You are what God needs. You see, I had to get to this place in my life where I had to realize that I was who God needed me to be. And if God has called me to it, as the old church adage goes, he will get me through it. I had to realize that I was grace for what he was calling me to do. Hmm. I had to realize that God saw my life from the end to its beginning. And when he saw it from the end and he saw what I would endure, he went backwards and he equipped me for everything I would need. There's not one thing That's why I love I love Paul And Timothy He says stir up the gifts That are within you He didn't say Go get some new gifts He didn't say Go go get the the newest gifts 2.0 2.0 Holy Spirit model gifts. He said, go stir up what is already in you that I know is in you because of the land on of hands and because of your grandmother Lewis and your mother Eunice, I know it is in you. Just go stir it. Get it from the bottom. If you've ever cooked a good stew or if you're Puerto Rican and you cook avena, you've got to keep on stirring it. You can't let stuff just sit on the bottom because it'll burn and you've got to get all the ingredients that are on the bottom to come to the top. I keep on stirring. Stir up the gifts that are what has settled to the bottom of your soul. What is self to the bottom of your soul, while you have t- taken time to be complacent? Oh, but pastor, that means that I have to actually check myself on some things. That's really healthy to do: take a self-inventory every now and then, and say, God, what am I doing? Why are you here? It would seem obvious, because we're all going to go back and do some form or fashion of ten days of prayer. Mm. But why are you here? here because God called you. If you're here, it's because God called you to do 10 days of, I don't care if you have to go to Walmart and buy a $25 easy up ten and do it by yourself in the middle of nowhere. Do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Call one of your cousins. Call somebody so you can go home for a couple of hours and rest, but do it. Because God is, this is a corporate thing. He doesn't want just a couple of parts of the body. He wants the body to do it. Mm-hmm. Amen? Amen. Yeah. He moved in my city. He's still moving. I know more is coming, and I pray that God would encourage you, each and every one of you, to be people who say, "I don't just want to talk about lighting the fire of prayer, intercession, and healing and signs and wonders, but I actually want to do it myself. I want to get behind this vision." We don't need cheerleaders. I'm telling you right now. And I say we because I am with this guy wherever he goes. Friend for life can't get rid of me. Haha. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to look back and be insulted by his faces. <laughs> <laughs> but I, w- I want to tell you, man. We don't need cheerleaders. We've got enough of those. Yeah, come to church every Sunday. They They're the ones who won't lift their hands for worship, but they'll clap after the song. Well, who are you clapping for? The singers? Or are you clapping for, for God? We were worshiping the whole time. We've got cheerleaders. We need people to drive the vision. And I don't know who is going to resonate with this, but God is really calling you to do it. The eyes of the Lord are roaming to and from the earth looking for someone to show themselves stronger. And the idea that God Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, would want to show himself strong through your frailty, through your failures, and through you, that's an amazing thing. That he would choose me. Never been to Bible college. have no theological background per se. The most unqualified, youngest in my family, 22 years old when he called me. Didn't understand why things were happening the way they were happening. But with hindsight, I look back now and I see the mighty hand of God over my life. I see the Holy Spirit driving me. I see the ministry flourishing beyond my imagination. And I know that God, if he can do it through me, he can do it through you. He can ignite it in me. He can ignite it in you. Amen? Amen. Can we pray real quick? Is that all right?